Hi, today is February 28th, 2023. This is Moldview's Podcast 449, Hawaii Techies Edition. I'm Todd Agassamore with my, my good friend, Phil Mao. Philip Mao. Um, Philip uh, retired, like, although a little bit earlier than I did. Yep. Lucky, lucky dude. Uh, from Hawaii Electric Industries, which is the parent company of the local electric company on most of the islands except Kauai. <laughs> and they're good. So American Savings Bank. <laughs> and probably other stuff I don't know about. <laughs> uh, but well, but Phil, go ahead. Go ahead. Having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, um, again, I've been retired about seven years from yeah. Hawaiian Electric. I use Hawaiian Electric because actually nobody started off a parent company <laughs> oh. and then they kind of moved us over to the electric ah. utility for the last few years of our lives. You know, yeah. uh, we did own American Savings Bank, Hawaiian Tug and Barge. Uh, even a small real estate subsidiary Malama. So I got to work with all of those different businesses when I was back then. But okay, after seven years of retirement, yeah, brain cells start to disappear. So, you know, you might have to help me along here. And okay, this is my first podcast that I've ever done. So I guess I'm a virgin. <laughs> if I say something wrong or go off into <laughs> nah, there's there's nothing you can say that's wrong. This is uh, you know, okay. there's. There's no sensors. There's no time limit. <laughs> there, you know. Uh, well, I, I'm not racist, so you don't have to worry about me saying something racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, thank you very much. People get in trouble for saying stuff now. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Um, so the reason I asked you on, and I've had some other friends on, so that people you know. Now, recently, I've been. I retired, as you know, in the end of 2022, and it's been a very reflective time for the last couple of months since I retired, since I actually have time to reflect now. And uh, one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, uh, we've been around a while. You know, we're old, Phil, right? You don't mind me saying that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're kind of old. <laughs> that. <laughs> and uh, we were kind of, you know, we're kind of around in the early days of a lot of stuff now that we look back on it. When we were, when we were doing it, it didn't seem like the early days because it was just, you know, stuff we had to do. But uh, so. It's kind of bleeding heads, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I had Keeman Wong, who I think you know, he was at GTE, yes. and then right. he moved over, I think six months after I got to GTE, he left because he didn't like me. No, no, we actually didn't meet at GTE, <laughs> but he went to uh, what used to be Time Warner Cable, which is now Charter Spectrum, and I had a Sterling Yee, who I know you know very well, who was at oh, GI with you. Yep, and my we, partner in crime. Yeah, that's what he said. He mentioned you several times in a podcast. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about our various perspectives of the internet as it developed from the 1980s through the 90s, especially. Um, okay. You know, because it's very different from what it is now. The internet was not broadband, first of all. I think all of us came in, and you and me and Sterling, you know, we, we knew what broadband was. We just didn't have it for a while. <laughs> We just knew we wanted wow. to get there. <laughs> I was like, this is too darn I love slow. so much fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you know, 56 kbps gets you only so far, right? And then ISDNBRI yeah. was too expensive. And T1s were too expensive, at least for, you know, having at home. For, you know, work is a different thing. Or, you know, you have a frac T1 or whatever. Right, right. So. Yeah, you know, interesting because I think you and I crossed, didn't cross paths at Hawaiian Tel. Because yeah, I was at GTL Wantel for like 11 years. Yeah. I yeah. think right before you. 
Yes. And that's how I met Eamon, you know. Yeah. yeah. So Eland, yeah, Eland. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. I think they were trying to get rid of us <laughs> at a point in time. You know, when they're kind of consolidating things. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So connection think, one and winning connection two. <laughs> yeah, you remember all those, yeah. So, actually I was one of the guys who had to figure out who stays and who goes. Oh no. That's a whole <laughs> you know, that was not a good job, but then I got that offer to go over to Hawaiian Electric, yeah, you know, to help them build out their networking infrastructure. And so, you know, one side was actually giving me an incentive to leave GTE. Yeah. And then I was getting an incentive to go over to Hawaiian Electric. It's like, oh, what a good timing. Good timing <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So I put my name down on the list. Okay, Phil Ma has to go. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's pretty funny. Anyway, I think yeah, we 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 worked at the same place. It's just yes. like we just kind of missed each other, right? Yes. Probably that. Like, yeah, I like thought I thing. thought maybe I I could you know maybe talk about um what I did at Hawaiian GT Hawaiian Tel because please you know that that's like where like it the internet is basically all the networks connected together, right? Yes. You know when you think about it, not not as a consumer dialing it or connecting, but there's this huge backbone. And so yes. part of my role was, you know, in this GTE corporate was to build this nationwide backbone as one of my little projects. And so that's where I got my knowledge of, you know, how this internet business works. Yeah. Because the, the idea was for us to go out and, you know, make sure we got, you know, uh, registered IP addresses, domain names, and all those things. And back in those days, all you had to do is write a very carefully structured, crafted email to the NIC. <laughs> you know, I guess so in network information. So I, I forget what the acronym stands for already. Yeah. And so I actually was able to apply, and I got an entire class B address under my name. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, personally, any personal. He's worth a lot of money nowadays. <laughs> But I was a good guy. I turned it over to the company, you know. <laughs> Should have stolen it now, but <laughs> yeah. Even even domain name, even domain names, you know. Um, it was a free for all back then. Oh, I, I could have got golf dot com, you know, Pepsi, <laughs> Coke, whatever. Right. But it was kind of unethical, you know, to go ahead and do that. But you know, my I actually I'm actually um, I was a senior systems engineer pretty much most of my career at Hawaiian yeah. You know, so I got really deep and heavy into the whole networking, you know, wide area, local area. Um, I don't know if you know who Bert Lum is. Of course he was I there with yeah. yeah, anybody knows Bert, that's right. Sure. <laughs> but he was the product manager for GTE, Cointel, at that time. And, like, we were internal, right, the IT folks. And the object was to, you know that term, eat your own dog food? So we yes. used a lot of the products. Yeah that they sold to the general public, you know? So, you know, it was kind of a mutual thing. So Bert and I worked pretty closely together, you know? Um, I think, you ever heard of Bridge Communications and 3Com? Yeah, that's yes, the one, of I, course. I actually yeah. had a three wizard certification from them. But, <laughs> you know, but I was talking about useless certifications, right? You know, so, but I think I had to go to, I don't know, I had to graduate from several courses on the mainland on all aspects of networking in order to get that. It's like a certified network engineer if you went to Cisco. Right. But they give you this three wizard title, which sounds kind of like, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so I, I went through that. So that was my whole background at um, 
you know, Hawaiian tail. It's more wide area, local area networking. Um, we we even created a metropolitan area network using WangNet of all things. You know. Oh yeah, I remember WangNet. Got to tap into that network when we had to connect buildings together. Um, you know, when we wanted a T one, we just go ahead and ask for it. You know, to connect the neighbor islands. <laughs> When you work for the telephone company, it's a little easier, right, to get it stuff. Is. Yeah. And so, you know, all the products that made all that networking work, um, I think Bridge Communications, we used a lot of their products, you know, giant boxes that right. you know, did bridging and outing. And um, we used a three plus share as a network operating system back then. So, but anyway, that that that's the whole network infrastructure, right, that that we kind of got to work on. So you, you know what the internet is, you know, the underpinnings, the infrastructure mm -hmm. of that starts with all this wide area, local area network stuff. I, I got to tell you a little story about the class B network that was under your name. Yeah. I also, so, so after you left and went to uh, API, uh, uh, this must've been about 96, maybe 97. You know, they were using that class B network. It was a rotable, uh, well, I think it was the one, one, four, three or something like that. They were using a rotable IP, right? Class B for yeah. everything internally, like my desk, my desktop in my office and a rotable IP. Yeah. Yeah. What are we, we had public, we had public IPs on every desktop until about 95, 96, I think. And, uh, at some point the, the whiz boys, uh, you know, somewhere in Connecticut or Dallas or somewhere decided, you know, we're going to run out of even a class B. We need it for external use. So we're going to go to non-routable, you know, 10 dot network or something, right? Or 192 or 10, whatever whatever was appropriate for, you know, 180,000 people. And uh, so we went through like a year of IP restacking, which wasn't as bad as you might think. It was actually well done. I was not involved in that. I was just an end user for that project. But it, it, it we, we eventually did go to a non- IP address <laughs> for our internal desktops. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that must have been fun. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Boy, that's kind of a waste. <laughs> I wasn't sure, too, what kind of audience usually listen to your particular podcast. So, yeah. you know, if I'm using like acronyms. Yeah. Oh, no, don't worry about it. Um, like if I use Sonnet, ATM, SS7, <laughs> that kind of uh -huh. telephony lingo jargon, you know, they might be okay. Because a lot of times I don't remember. I don't know what they mean already. It's been too long. <laughs> well, funny you mentioned that because, as you know, Phil, I've been going through an archaeological dig of my home after I retired in December. Yeah, and I I found the coursework I took on S seven. Oh, no kidding! Wow, <laughs> that's terrific. Not too many people know even. I don't think even know what that is. <laughs> oh, system signaling seven for those wondering. Uh, yeah. It's uh, out of band. I remember actually. Yeah, I remember X.25. I kind of yeah. had to learn that as a crash a course because I had to troubleshoot yeah. some stuff between. That's what they used to connect all the switches at that. Yeah, you know, the that, packet oh, network stuff. Yeah. 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 It's really funny. I think about when I joined the company and, you know, they give you a tour of yeah. the, you know, telephone network. Right. I actually went in and got to see um, a phone call being made on a step-by-step -step switch. Oh, wow. You know that mechanical box? Yes. It's kind of neat. When people thought it goes tick, 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 and yes. you can see the first number increment. It's like, okay, this is really way back. <laughs> yeah. And that room. Join. 
kind of like after me, right? So I don't know. If they probably got rid of all that stuff by that time. So the last analog central office switch um, in GT for GT Hawaiian Tel was decommissioned. I want to see about ninety five, ninety six. I think it was Wahiwa. Oh, um, okay. And so I think that was the last analog switch. But I, I, I. So I never got to see an analog CO, but I did get to see an analog, uh, like a PBX system, which was at the University of Hawaii. Okay. Manoa. Yeah. Oh. And that took up a whole floor of a building, at the time. Oh yeah. And it was it was like a war room because it was so noisy. It all loud. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. And I remember going to visit it after they replaced it with a digital PBX. And it was like, you know, it was just in the corner of the room now, right? The rest of the floor was empty. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, imagine all the real all the real estate that got reclaimed when they got rid of those. Oh yeah. My steps. And that, yeah. uh, yes. And uh I think my it was my cousin's husband who worked there. He was the one in charge of the four E SS overseas and switching system. That was kind of neat, you know, uh-huh. like, because before when you made a long distance call, everything would come through Hawaiian Tel. Right. You know, that was way back then, right? So, right. this was, those days, it was like this giant, you could walk through this computer, basically. You know, it was this huge monstrosity. So, yeah. yeah, that was kind of an important building when you think about it way back then, you know. So, anyway, yeah. anyway you know, I, I didn't want to go too much off topic, that, but that alone oh, is fine. But <laughs> best around I mean, Hawaiian Tel, and when I moved over to Hawaiian Electric Industries, you know, because um, Chuck Chuck Wall was my old boss. He was the CIO at Hawaiian Tel. That he he moved over, and then um, I, I guess he really wanted to build out the networking infrastructure of it because they pretty much had hardly anything at that point in time. Uh, I think this was back in '93. Okay. Yeah, back in '93. And so I was really fortunate to get that offer to move over, but I kind of was housed in uh, an auditing department because they didn't actually have a position available for a network engineer type of person, you know. So, and that's why, you know, Sterling brought me on as an auditor, EDP auditor. I didn't know that. It's like, oh, okay, this sounds like fun. (laughs) I had to learn how to do, you know, I had to learn the audit discipline, you know, that whole profession. Because I actually had to do real audits, but yeah, yeah. If you're doing EDP auditing and you know, you know, I've, I'm a computer person, right? I did programming, I did systems, I did operating systems, networking. So I, people cannot BS you when you're doing an audit because <laughs> I actually know what's going on, <laughs> and and it's kind of an interesting profession because everything's very structured. There's like cookbooks, you know, for an audit, you know, audit programs, yeah. You know, and plans that you put together, and it's very structured, and you kind of follow it, and then you know you go through and look for controls basically, and see how well people are you know doing. Yeah, and you know you gotta be good at writing though. <laughs> you have to do a lot of writing because you're communicating to like, and it goes all the way up the food chain. Yeah, some of this stuff. You know, but uh, you're, you're not you're, the most popular guy in the world <laughs> when you're out. You're giving me some flashbacks, by the way, because I am not, I have never been an auditor, but I have been on the other side of the audit. Every year, uh, you know, yeah. we go through a, a structured annual security audit uh, for mainframe oh. stuff mostly. And so, you know, you sit, I sat with a, a, an auditing company who will remain nameless. And, you know, and uh, this year is the first year in several years. 
<laughs> said, I will not have to talk to an auditor. Oh, and, and I, oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> I said goodbye to the wow. auditors last year. And I said, this is the last time we'll talk. It was nice working with you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, I did try to spend more time not being an auditor. <laughs> kind of building up a network over there. But yeah. You know, the, you know, auditors, that is one profession. There is so much demand for EDP, type, you know, computer auditing. It's unreal. You can you can get a job anywhere. It's kind of good to have that under your belt, you know. So, but anyway, so from there, we built out a lot of the network infrastructure, you know, for um, Hawaiian Electric Industries. We even kind of helped American Stevens Bank, Hawaiian Tug and Barge. And, you know, every so often the neighbor island folks would call us, you know, because they see what we're doing and then, Sterling and I you said, hey, you know, this internet thing, we, we've got to kind of really get into it, you know, actually from a, you know, corporate standpoint, right? right I mean, right. And there was nothing like you're saying, there's only dial-up and, you know, it was, I think, was it, was it Jody and David Lasner uh -huh. at UH? They kind of helped us get accounts, you know. Yeah, that's a story we mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, we got a few at, you know, doing that. It's like, wow, this is the best thing since sliced bread, you know. <laughs> Being on the internet, there was no web or nothing like that. But yet, to be able to like, yeah, going to spin a server out in Japan, you know, from your desktop, that was like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> you know, things that people take for granted today. Yeah, and um, you know, as we started building this thing up, uh, I remember having to sit in front of the executives, trying to convince them that you know we got to do this internet stuff. You know, we can. Yeah, this is what web started coming up, you know, and I think we might have been one of the first to have a commercial website in Hawaii. You know, I, I remember because registering our name, hei.com, right, three letters, you know how hard that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. back in those days, it was easy. So I think we might have been the first one to register, you know, as a local Hawaii domain. Anyway, something close, but... I had to build the first web pages by myself using uh, in line editor, tech to editor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of rough, right? Raw editing, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of learned that by reading the RFCs when I was sick once during the <laughs> Christmas holiday. <laughs> My goodness, when I knew Photoshop, I could build out the graphics. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I kind of built the website for HEI. I started the ASB, calling Electric and Tug and Barge. I even built one for our Malama subsidiary, you know, like kind of on my spare time. But we did it as a, like a community web thing. Nobody out had web sites out there. We were one of the few. And so we kind of showed the executives that, you know, this thing has a lot of potential, you know, and uh, it was kind of a tough sell, actually. You know, we had to go ahead and um, I think the utility wanted to have some kind of a uh, a survey done to see how many people would actually make use of this stuff. Right, but right. eventually it happened, right? You know, we started doing, we started building out our network internally, you know, and then our group at HEI, we actually started building the connection, you know, not dial up, a real time connection into the internet. And I think Sterling might have mentioned our, our um, relationship with Maui High Performance Computing yes, Center. He did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was our first connection from our network to the internet by going to Hawaii, you know, the Maui High Performance Computing Center. So um, we use Frame Relay to connect to them. And by the way, that was a tough connection, man. We spent 
I don't know how many days with Hawaii Dell <laughs> getting that connection to work. To configure it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to get it to work. You know, yeah, then. Yeah. But then eventually we got it writing. Uh, I think they kind of asked us to, we had, you know, we had to learn um, parallel um, programming on their computers. That was part of the deal. So, yeah, I, I think oh, the super a few of us flew up there. Yeah. Yeah. So we flew up there and learned how to, you know, program on their computer. And that was kind of neat too, right? Yeah. Uh, I think we blew up one of the nodes though <laughs> in the class. <laughs> but yeah, none of us knew how to do parallel. Parallel programming is a little different from what you're normally used to. to it's backwards. From what yeah, I ha actually I actually had a grant not on the Maui, um, but a San Diego supercomputer had grants oh, okay. um, for grad students back in the late '80s, I think. Yeah, I think okay. it was late '80s, and I had a small grant because you know it costs money, right, to for computers. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I I already knew Fortran, and it was all in Fortran. I don't know what you guys okay. use with the Maui, but uh, the San Diego supercomputer is all in a parallel version of Fortran. And I remember I had to write the loops backwards for efficiency. Oh. So, you know, what you normally do, you know, 4i equals 4j equals, and you start looping right. j first, right? But in parallel computer, you don't do it that way. It was like I had to do a whole backwards thing to get it to run right to make it actually See, efficient. You you remember more than I forgot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, mine went different on your... The no, I, I, I think we, we kind of we did it yeah. more as a... You know, because our host did say we should go through this class and learn it. Yeah. And we really never used it after that, but yeah. we wound up using them as pretty much our connection point into the internet. And, you know, we built stuff up from there, you know, to the point where, okay, when, when it started to get really popular, um, we wound up providing the service to the rest of the enterprise at HEI. You know, so, you know, because it kind of made sense, right? We had the security, the firewalls, we built, right, right. you know, we, we built one of the first firewalls. Nobody knew what the word firewall was, right? So I think Sterling might have mentioned that too. You know, so um, I think it was Mark Wong from Commercial Data Systems. He mm -hmm. kind of helped us out on that end. And uh, we wound up building our own autonomous system. You know, I, I, for the people who are not familiar with that, it's almost like you become a real part of the real internet, the true internet as an autonomous system. And the big benefit to that is you can have multiple connection points into the internet. And as an autonomous system, if one guy goes down, the whole internet knows that, hey, this this route to autonomous system, you know, to Amer Hawaiian Electric is down. So we got to reroute. Yeah. And that kind of is a little more bulletproof. So who, who did we use? I think it was at that time we had, we had Sprint. You know, as one of our providers. Yeah. Um, sorry, I kind of, I'm starting to lose it. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I remember Sprint was one of the, in fact, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember who we were using. But yeah, we, we Sprint was one of the long haul providers. Yeah. And well, so, I remember, Time Warner, Time Warner Telecom. Time, do you know what we call guys, it? Yeah, they, yeah, 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 they were the other key connection provider. <laughs> yeah, was Keeman with the straight. <laughs> I thought it might have been a separate subsidiary, but Keeman yeah. was probably part of that. And yeah, and and we also use Net Enterprise. I don't know if you remember, you know, Bert Lum's company. That's Bert Lum's performer company. Yeah, yeah. So so those are the I think the initial three legs when you know when I was there. Right. And so um, that's a whole different animal, you know, having 
an autonomous system connection from your own company. It's like if someone built a freeway on-ramp from your driveway, yeah, onto the freeway. That's kind of a nice thing to have. Yeah. <laughs> it's noisy, but yeah. Hey. <laughs> I, I'll tell you a oh, story about... Yeah, we're fresh and, you know. I'll tell you a funny story uh, since you were at GTE. So, you know, GTE yeah. was, uh, prior to being bought out by Bell Atlantic to create Verizon, was itself a huge company. When I was there, it was 180,000 staff members, if I recall correctly. Wow. And uh, we, you know, it, it consisted of many subsidiaries, including GTE Hawaiian uh, you know, mm. there was GT California and, you know, GT this and that and other thing. And everybody, like you, you know, there, it was all new. So everybody was kind of like, we need to be on the web. And they just kind of did it on their own without telling anybody at corporate. Mm -hmm. And, and <laughs> so at one point, around 1995 or 1996, it had kind of gotten out of hand. And there were some people who were like, you know, they're using animated GIFs and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff that looked absolutely ridiculous on a commercial side, on a corporate side. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got called in by a, by a VP at corporate one day and said, hey, I'm going to put you on this assignment. You can't tell your boss what you're doing. <laughs> and I go, what? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I know, right? I said, how's that going to work? He says, we'll explain you're being assigned to something for six months, and you just go and do this thing, you know? And you can do some other stuff too, but focus on this. And my job was to go identify every single rogue site in GTE and then figure out a way to nuke them and bring them into the fold. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, geez. You must have been a really light person. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, real, you know, I tried to be anonymous, man. I said, I didn't even put my name in the report. <laughs> I can imagine, though, you know, because you need to coordinate the effort. Yeah. It, yeah. It, is, it was kind of good that we took the reins at the parent company. Yeah. You know, because you know, we could provide the security, one point right. of entry. And I tell you, the network got really nasty because, okay, when we were starting to put on video conferencing, because one of the projects we had was, you know, our executives, we got to fly to New York, right? And, right. you know, these meetings and it costs the arm and a leg, sure. time zone differences. And there was one point where we said, hey, let's try doing video conferencing. And this is when it wasn't really available. Right. So we actually were, were able to put something together because we had such a lot of, we had so much bandwidth yeah. that we were able to put a video conferencing system together. But, you know, well, this, is free IP. This, is not, this is not IP. This is not IP. This is not IP based video conferencing, right? This is like the whole IP. It was IP. It was IP. Oh, that's it was cool. IP based. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I actually found this vendor had, oh man, I can't even remember the name. He yeah. is a vendor who made really cost-effective, um, high-definition system. Interesting. Very elegant. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I think the reason, the reason why I brought up the store is when we first brought it up, it wasn't very happy behind our firewall. Oh, yeah. The amount of pinholes we had to, pinholes we had to poke through it was like kind of right. ridiculous. Right? right, right. And we're working with all these guys in New York, right, to try to get the whole thing Right, synced up. We could right. do this conference, but so we, for just to test, we poked this guy behind in you know in front of the firewall on the raw you know internet side. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow! And us monitoring. You should have seen a few seconds. Oh, people are trying to attack that guy big time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was pretty nasty out there. You just put anything, you know, on un unprotected. People were gonna whack you. Oh yeah, at the time. Yeah. But oh, yeah. 
But you know, okay, this is from a cost-effective standpoint. You know, when you save the executives from having to go fly up there, right? The amount amount of money, the return on investment was so unbelievable that oh, okay, that's kind of a feather in your cap, right? When you can do something like that, right? right. Now everyone you know, takes it for granted. Look at you and I. We're just we're doing a video conference over Skype, so right. You know, take it for granted, yeah. But in those days, it was kind of tough to do that. Uh, I don't know if you, at GT, we, we did that too. There's this gal who kind of had that project and I was helping her. Um, it was an entire room full of equipment to get video conferencing working. This was before the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, it was really costly. So we've come a long way. I, I like oh, yeah. the fact that oh, yeah. we take all this stuff for granted, you know? Um, yeah. But us old guys, we had we had nothing. <laughs> we had to go build all this stuff, right? Yeah, I, I remember, you know, at GTE, you know, you needed like a, well, at the bare minimum, you could do ISDN BRI, but that was really voice only. Yeah. But if you had PRI or FRAC T1, then at least you could, you know, mm -hmm. get enough enough bandwidth to do video conference. But like you said, it was expensive. You needed a lot of equipment and you needed dedicated oh, yeah. lines and it was just, yeah. it was real production. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah, I think we were using ISDN at that time for the Hawaii yeah. Tel. Yeah. video conferencing but well like i said when you work for the telephone company you can get a lot of cool stuff right <laughs> communications uh services uh you know but um I, I there's one one thing that came to mind this has to do with david lasner i think uh -huh. he started the hawaii chapter of the internet society okay i think sterling and i are part of that imagine our charter was to promote the internet back then it's like whoa okay that's how hard it was, you know, to get people to want to even use it. Yeah. So that internet, so there's still an Internet Society Hawaii chapter um, on, on paper. Yeah. It's a 501c3. And I think oh, really? David was, he was diligent about renewing that every year. And yeah. somehow, I guess I, they were, have, we're having a meeting and then I kind of had to step away. And when I came back, they said, oh, by the way, Phil, now you're the vice president of this organization. <laughs> so it's like, okay. So I'm going to leave the room. Don't leave the room. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like Shark Tank, right? Yeah. Leave the room, boom. <laughs> right, right. And and I should I should add that D Dave Lasner is currently the president of the University of Hawaii system. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a really good I mean, he's such a hard work. He's so smart. I mean, he yeah. got more brain cells than most people yeah. I know. Uh, you're one of the other ones who I got more brain cells than other not people, me, you know. Not uh, anymore. <laughs> Not anymore, that's for sure. No, I, I kind of remember you doing some pretty heavy-duty programming stuff for Microsoft that not too many people would touch. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because it wasn't really heavy-duty. It was just dumb. Because, well, this is when, when we were at, uh, when I was a contractor at, at for the Microsoft Network, and I wasn't supposed to be doing programming. But the way you upgraded the website, this is, the way you updated the old MSN.com website was direct SQL injections. <laughs> oh, boy. That's going to... You would shoot the HTML code using SQL right onto the website and, like, hope you didn't, you know, do something bad. Go ahead, yeah. That's one of the other hats I think I, I used to wear, you know, database stuff. Yeah. And SQL. That was kind of fun, actually. I kind of enjoyed that little aspect of my career yeah you know, to you know like you know when you got tons of raw data oh yeah you know yeah you know, and you you write you have to build the structure for it and to query it and to yeah yeah you know, it's like wow you know it's like like gold mine 
you know, yeah, we can yeah. get really interesting information out of that right, stuff. Right, but, right. But before, I need a moment before we had out yeah. for it. But um, okay, so I think I want to just touch on the last thing I, sure. I did before I retired. And uh, you know, you, when you're about to retire, you tell everybody in advance, you know, and basically they wanted to take my little department and kind of break it up and spread it, spread the wealth, okay. right? So that was my main job. But I also had like a side, um, like project to kind of look at smart grid. And so oh. I thought, okay, that was, that was like a really, really interesting to do. In fact, if I had to extend my career, yeah, I kind of would have wanted to get in there. And so right. I, I had put together this presentation and I just looked at it the other day, you know, I did before I retired, I put a smart grid presentation and I don't know if you remember the saying, the network is the computer. Yes. By on Sun, Sun Microsystem. Yes. Yeah. So I, I came up with the coin, the smart grid is the power plant. <laughs> uh, oh. And anyway, it, it never took off. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was part of my presentation. I thought, okay, this is pretty funny, you know, but, you know, again, a lot of it had to do with, um, managing renewable energy because that stuff can wreak havoc on a power plant right yeah you know storage and so i did this whole thing on you know where the peaks were the valleys were you know um you had to also look at irradiance you had to predict the weather there's so much information you know um that you had to know in order to manage the grid right and you know at the grid is not that smart when you think about it, right? You know, just you're kind of measuring the frequency, and you got to match that frequency, right, constantly. And so, if the sun disappears for a while, you know, you got to power up all kinds of stuff, and you can't get generators to come up online, right, right away, instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah as we found yeah. out after um, some power outage, like a big earthquake that knocked out <laughs> yeah. a lot of the power plants. Oh, yeah. Never. I mean, I, I don't, I, I didn't know the people involved, but I remember reading stories and hearing stories from people who are more intimately involved saying, oh yeah, this is going to take like a day to just spin it back up. Oh, it, it's kind of spooky when you're um, living in an island state, you know, because yeah. you can't just get power from you can't somebody else, start. right? Yeah, yeah. Nope. Yeah. So I, I, you know, people wonder, how do it cost so much to right. pay for electricity in Hawaii that there is a reason. <laughs> I, mean, I, I see everybody trying to be frugal in the company, uh, you know, and trying to make really good decisions. Right. But it, it costs a lot of money to do stuff in this island, you know. Oh, yeah. To make sure you keep the lights on, but you know, I and I think they're making really big progress. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you probably got your smart meter already. You know, now I'm. It, you know, I those don't things have it yet. I, I I should go outside oh, and look. It's right next to my nid. <laughs> <laughs> you would have know, you would have known because they're gonna send you a letter and they're gonna slap out your meter. They uh, sent me a letter, but they didn't tell me when they were gonna do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. you could have been lying. Yeah. But it's kind of neat, you know, when you get that because you can you get a lot of information from that. You you have PV right now, right? I do not. Yeah, you do not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If if you do get a PV system, that would be behind the meter, and you know, every fifteen minutes it sends information of what you're producing yeah and also what you're consuming you know so you can you can see a lot of information about how electricity like when i plug in my electric car i have a leaf yeah man i can see this line just shoot straight up you know <laughs> charging your car you know 
sucking 30 amps, so like about, you know, yeah. <laughs> seven kilowatts yeah. energy. So yeah. when we do the laundry, hit the dryer, and I'm <laughs> charging my car at the same time, it's like, okay, I hope I don't trip my 100 amp service. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can run all our air conditioning to the, you know, dryer and charge the car at the same time. I never really tried that, but. So during the summer, you got to be kind of uh, strategic in what you're powering up at what time. Yeah, well, during the summer is good. We get a lot of yeah. a lot of sun. Yeah, a lot of sun. This yeah, the winter time when we're drawing from Kiko and you know. Oh, sorry, I'm digressing. See, no, happens no, 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 that's one that's never done a podcast before. No, 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 <laughs> that's that's just fine. You know, in fact, um, I had an, another old friend on for another Hawaii Techies edition a few months ago, who at the time he was doing uh, intelligent heat pump work, and oh, so this yeah. is all very interesting. Um, uh, but at any rate, yeah, in fact, I was just thinking I should put a heat bump in, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I know that if you put in a PV system, yeah. you need to have good internet connection because it reports every 15 minutes yeah. over the internet back to a central location. That's how it stores. So this internet has become very, very, very important to everybody, you know, so it's kind of neat to have been part of the bleeding edge, you know, to... I guess from the beginning of time, right? So <laughs> we got we got to see it grow up, yeah. <laughs> we did. I mean, at the time we didn't know it, right? It's like, well, it's what we got, you know. What we got is what we got. Yeah. Didn't really we just thought it? Okay, this is neat. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, we communicate. You know. So. Yeah, it was interesting time indeed. Um, although you know, it's funny because when I was at out at the Naval Ocean Systems Center, I think we only had we here in Hawaii. I think we only had two 64 kbps data dedicated you know data lines from the mainland uh for oh yeah for for our location and i remember i used that as a i said this is just too slow you know people are having a hard time working because you know they were working with uh mini computers and stuff on the mainland and right. I said, let's just get our own vax <laughs> I, I remember that <laughs> and so we did. We got our own VAX at the Naval Ocean System Center. And just as an FYI, before UH got its first um, dedicated T1s, uh, mm -hmm. after I left there, I went to work at U University of Hawaii, and it was all analog modem, but the Navy gave me <laughs> the links to the internet, the first links for UH to oh, wow. wide use of the internet on campus. And so that was that was kind of fun, you know. It was still slow, but because you know, we I had think I had a bank of ninety six hundred baud modems or something that fire up every oh. night to send email and uh, you know exchange. Oh, that's kind of cool. And, and stuff like that. So you did some type of inverse multiplexing of all exactly. these modems. Yeah. Well, okay. I think we had cool. four modems yeah. or something. Um, I think email would kind of send out during the day, you know, for 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 efficiency, but I think all the Usenet stuff, all the news groups and things would come in only at night, only in the wee hours, so we didn't clog up the, you know, our modems basically during the day. And then and then the university got, you know, uh, actual dedicated internet connections and, you know, we didn't need that, but that's how it got started. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, come to think of it, though, I remember UH was on the commercial internet for a while, yeah. and I think it was David Lazar was involved with internet too, which is more of a research group and oh yes. that thing could fly i remember that like huge connections yes. fiber optic connection to yeah, the yeah. i mean inland connections at those days are really really expensive yes you know you, you feel bankrupt 
<laughs> paying for that. So it, it, it everything kind of worked out. I mean, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know if you, you're, are you familiar at all the um, Trans-Pacific cables? You, I think you're the, in fact, you're the one who might have sent me some diagrams. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When so when I yeah. worked when I worked at, for the state of Hawaii's uh, Department of uh, Commerce and Consumer Affairs, I worked for the broadband group there. And oh. so I, I actually had to go look at all of the submarine maps and understand how all the cables were running to Hawaii and between the islands. So, right, right. You know, right. so I spent a lot of time looking at those maps. It, isn't it interesting to see how that evolved too? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the old days we only had this like, you know, copper cable. <laughs> it's true. The ocean. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. the TPC came on board and then now there's like, there's a gazillion different fiber optic cables that connect to our island. Although a lot of guys were bypassing us too, you know, so, but we have our share, I guess, right, of uh, connections. And I, I guess people don't realize that how important those fiber optic trans um, oceanic cables oh, yeah. are. And, you know, they basically keep us on the, you know, connected to the world. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of things about that, you know, so speaking of that, so a lot of, again, Sterling and I were talking about that earlier, and Keeman also, because, you know, uh, Time Warner Cable, that, of course, yeah, right. a lot of backbone stuff. Um, we were talking about that, and, you know, one of the issues, it's not issue, one of the concerns is, you know, fiber has a shelf life of about a quarter century, and we're coming up on that for some. Um, and so you know, there was some concern. I think the AT&T fiber line was retired a number of years ago, and, and UH got a hold of it, and it's a research thing now. But uh, that, that's for all really interesting stuff. But the amazing thing to me is how slow the fiber was in the beginning and how mm -hmm. smart the laser engineers are to use the same exact fiber to go faster and faster, you know, all oh, the yeah, time yeah. on the same aging fiber, which is to me quite right. amazing, you know, not being any, having any knowledge of, you know, laser physics or anything like that. So I thought they use a cool. different, different color light beam, wave division, multiplexing, yes, or something yes, like yeah, DWDN, a different yeah. color frequencies and yeah it is amazing even the repeaters that have they have to have i think the weak spot is the repeaters right yeah they have to have every so many kilometers and reading right. power to them from right. both ends in case one end dies it's like that whole engineering of uh undersea cables is kind of like fit wow <laughs> and it's really amazing how good a job they've done yes to keep these cables alive you know and right I, I know when they fish them out of the water, there was this ship called the Charlie Brown. It was specially designed to pull the cable out of the water so they could fix it and drop it back down again or something. You know, so, I mean, it costs a lot of bucks. Yeah, to it is. It does. Stuff. It's all the stuff we take for granted, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I forget I, what the per mile, I think to get uh, from mainland to Hawaii, I think is a quarter billion dollars. Oh, drop geez. a new line. If I remember, if I remember correctly, and I could be remembering incorrectly, but that was kind of my recollection back when I used to look at this stuff. Uh, I did also want to note, you know, that we're not getting new lines because they used to be we long line haulers would pull a line to Hawaii, and then they would use us as a repeater essentially, um, right? And, and then pull the line to other places in the South Pacific, like in Australia and so forth. But it, it became cheaper to throw the line from, say, the northwest of the U.S. over to Japan because it's actually shorter <laughs> to go from, yeah, you know, from Seattle to Japan. Um, and so, and so, because it's shorter, it's now faster. 
And since the financial types were driving a lot of these line investments because they wanted to do trading as quickly as possible, mm -hmm. uh, right. we got bypassed by, you know, most of the new cable uh, pulls in the last, you know, 20 years or so. Yeah, I think I kind of saw that, you know, the new stuff started bypassing us at yeah. one point. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, well, I just hope that we can still, because I do remember the days when we lost, I think one of the, um, was it TPC-5? Something went down and we had to go through satellite at that point to communicate. That's oh my cool. God, the yeah. propagation delay was killing everything, you know? Yeah. This is, I yeah. think, Hawaiian L days. I think we still had like a channel attached device that had to talk to a computer across the ocean. <laughs> you know, normally a channel device, this is to talk to a computer locally, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I think it might have been like a card reader. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that place kept a lot of old applications alive for as long as it could. Yeah. But I remember the, so we had, so hopefully we have enough bandwidth if something catastrophic should happen, you know. I haven't kept up with all the different cables, you know. So Me too. I haven't in the last couple of years. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. But anyway, anyway well, this was fun kind of. Yeah. Went back I, in time. I have fun about how you well, Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I guess, is it, is it internet? Probably IP-based. But you know, Phil, you and I are old enough that you probably remember that uh, in the old days, we could not see sporting events live in Hawaii or even, you know, oh minimally delayed right we wouldn't know till the well we wouldn't be able to see it till the next day basically because i think they had to literally ship a tape it to fly a tape oh yeah i remember those for days. sports the satellite tv was too expensive at yeah. the time too right so. and so sportscasters used to do a close your eyes if you know because they would get you know from the ticker tape the scores uh but they would oh. say if you, so if you don't if you're going to watch the game tomorrow close your eyes we're going to flash the, the scores for the you know for you know whatever in a bowl game whatever it is you're interested in so uh yeah uh, and even like uh uh daily shows like the johnny carson's tonight show we're always one or two days behind because they would literally i think yeah really ship a tape i remember those days yep yeah <laughs> you know so it's there's like like even today, like if you're recording stuff, you got to be careful because all these spoiler alerts, you know, you got to watch for them. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, because if you recorded something, you know, you'll know instantaneously what happened. Right. You know, if you wanted to, right, by going on the internet. So, right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that things are happening in real time now. But, yeah, no, I remember tapes shipping. Man, so talk about all the greenhouse gases, you know, that oh. probably saved. Not shipping tapes anymore but well you know it's, it's funny because i remember you know one of the last things i did before i retired was uh shift the state's mainframe from an on-premise uh pc equipment to a um a you know managed service so the mainframe is now you know it, it's not a cloud exactly a cloud but it's the primary and disaster recovery sites are not in hawaii and uh oh. and um and one of the things that the one of the things that I remember is back in the old 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 days, uh, it wasn't in the state; it was someplace else I worked. But the disaster recovery was if if we knew that there was a hurricane coming, somebody would grab the tapes from the mainframe, hop on a plane, and fly to Chicago and stay there till the main, till the hurricane passed. So if we had to do a you know business continuity we could recover on a mainframe you know in chicago uh and start processing again 
And so, <laughs> what? What? But uh, it happened at Point the Electric too. All the tapes would get all packed up. <laughs> <laughs> right, remember? You remember that? Yeah. Oh goodness gracious! But yeah. Oh, that that's that really. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you know we have high speed connections now, and that things are distributed. But you know, come to think of it, I was I was on the CIO console for a while. Uh huh. Uh, for the state. Uh-huh. And one of the things we did bring up um, was that darn mainframe sitting in the basement. Yes. We said, hey, this is high risk, man. You guys got to yes. do something about, about this. And then, so you're the one who actually yes. got it done. Well, not by myself. <laughs> I was a straight out team. But yeah, I always imagine, but you're part of that group. I'm glad yeah. it got done because it took a while, but we're, you know, as, as a security type person, you know, I, I used to kind of like think that's kind of scary. Oh, it was yeah, horrible. I mean, it was horrible. Yeah. Every time we had a storm, I would like, you know, have nightmares. Kind of uh, cringe, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I remember just before we finished the move, January 8th, 2021. 2022? 2020, 2022. Yeah, last year. We just finished in January 2022. Wow. And, Terrific. Uh, and I, in December 2021, one month before we finished, you might remember we had the Kona Low storm that knocked yeah. out power downtown for three days. And, and we were not down for three days, but we were down for 36 hours. No, we were down for 30 hours. We were running on generator the whole time. Uh, wow. The generator only has 36 hours of fuel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or are you lucky it worked? <laughs> yeah, no, it worked. What? But then you guys practice, you guys go through the Chinese fire drill. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. But, you know, I, I got to tell you, it was, uh, it was less of a technical problem to do the migration than a sociological problem. <laughs> For you, know. <laughs> you know, you know, backup, backup and recovery is a whole another animal. I, yeah. So, um, you know, it's like we did a business continuity plan for the parent company and that yeah. took a lot of oh, effort yeah. and energy. It's amazing what stuff you need to do in an emergency, you know, yeah. even, even getting fuel for your generators, you know, oh, it's yeah. a freaking order. It's out. You, you're not going to be, you might not be the first guy to get the fuel. It yeah. It depends on. A picking yeah. order, right? Yeah. Like, Hospitals first, cash, you know. Think about a bank. Yeah. You know, you need cash to pay people. Yeah. So a real emergency, you gotta make sure your your one of your executives is carrying this suitcase full of cash. So you know stuff. You know, I, I really didn't mean to digress this much. No, I know that this is you get when you get a you get a virgin uh <laughs> no, it's funny you say that because I think it was was it what 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 was it? There was a hurricane Iniki that Ka the island of Kauai was completely. I can't remember if it was Eva or Iniki, but uh, I was uh, not involved in that recovery. But my former boss uh, was neighbor island manager for Hawaiian Tele at the time for GT Hawaiian Tele at the time, and I remember yeah. he had to hop on a helicopter because planes couldn't land at the airport. <laughs> oh my! He had to hop on a helicopter with bags of cash. Yeah, a ham radio uh, to make sure that people get get paid in Kauai. <laughs> I think that's the thing. You you know, S happens, right? So yeah, you have to go through that in your life so that you get. It's kind of a learning experience. You know? Yeah, people don't think about this until something bad happens, and that's yeah. basically how laws are created. You know, <laughs> yeah. something bad got to happen, and then okay, we'll make a law for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Same with yeah. even computing and infrastructure oh, yeah. and. Keeping your business alive, right? And Damn. small businesses, small businesses now they they rely a lot on computers. You know, oh yeah, the internet goes down, and 
you know, your point of sale goes down there. Oh, yeah. You know, it's oh, kind of rough. In fact, I remember it was Hurricane Iniki. Um, we knew it was coming. And so my wife and I went to Safeway, the nearby Safeway, to go you know, stock up and stuff. Wow. And um, and as we were in there, it, the storm hadn't hit us, but I don't know why. But the power went off in downtown Honolulu. And so we are in Safeway with no lights with bags of groceries. And they, they somehow got like hand-cranked registers up and running. Oh, they did? Oh, with wow. flashlights. And they processed us out. You know, this is, this is pretty good. These guys know what they're doing, you know. Well, I, I know nowadays they're so automated that I went to Safeway once when they lost communication. Oh, yeah. And it basically kicked me out of the store. Nope, you can't buy anything. I was, okay. I was, I was in Foodland when they lost their credit card network, and so oh. it was cash only. <laughs> okay, yeah. So people are dependent. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully we can keep things more reliable, and uh, you know. Uh, anyway, I I really enjoyed this time. You know. Um, yeah, thank thanks you for inviting me. No, thank yeah. you. So. Uh, yeah, so I just want to say before we, we, we sign off on the turn off the recorder that this has been Mobile News Podcast 449. My special guest uh, for the Hawaii Techies edition has been Philip Mao, Mao, uh, formerly of GTE Hawaiian Tel, formerly of HEI slash Hawaiian Electric. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, my old friend, and hearing about things I had not heard. I had not done, known some of the things you had done before. Uh, you know, in your not misspent youth, <laughs> so, <laughs> it was uh, you know we did a lot of things in our misspent youth, and we'd rather not remember. Yeah, <laughs> these were going. I'd rather not bring either. But. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had okay. Uh, it was it was a fun ride. I'm glad we both got to retire too. Yeah. Yes, yes, I am very grateful. Anyway, Movies yeah. Podcast, for much Thank you so much, Phil, and we'll I'll talk to you next time.